every time you get a chance to witness this scene, you feel lucky. Nothing like it. Man, this is what it's all about. This is what college football is all about. I've, I've said this is the best scene in the country. Welcome back to White Out Weekly, and we are sadly in our first losing week, and I, I just don't know how to feel about this one. There's so many variables, variables that go into this that could have gone either way, and even though we lost, the worst part about it is that this was a what-if loss, and I can't, I can't sleep at night when it's a what-if loss. That's why I look this way. I haven't been able to sleep in two freaking nights. Because what if, what if Sean Clifford played that entire game? We, we could be number two in the nation right now. You never know. He had two picks. He wasn't perfect, but bounced out midway through the third, uh, second quarter. And Taekwon takes over, and it's just a fucking crash from there. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, like you said, Clipper wasn't playing his best. I mean, that first play, throwing that pick, it was like, oh, God, here we go again. But from the timing for the groove that they were setting from when he went out, they were up 17-3. I think the total yardage, I think, was 249 to, like, 48 in favor of Penn State. Easily controlling (sighs) that game. Yeah. It was, hey, this is ugly, but the defense is holding a minute, and if the offense can just just get going and just maintain some drives, it's that's and that was what we were saying. It's just, it's going to be a slobber knocker. It's going to be a slobber yeah. knocker of game, and that's what it was. And it's just there's so many freaking variables, and I just I don't know. I just hate Iowa so freaking much. Yeah, but, and it it didn't help with the field position battle. So the punting no. game, they were pinning us inside the five. And yeah, you know, those first couple drives with with Roberson just in the you just, you could just see the nerves yeah. kind of overcoming him. And it just felt like a very, very slow, torturous death. Even up 17-3 when they went into the half, we came out. Not seeing Clifford in street clothes. Yeah. And Robertson back out there. It was like, oh my God. It was literally, can the defense hold the lead for 30 more minutes? And it felt like it was asking the world of them. And yes. they almost fucking did it. That's and that's why I've been fucking backing up this defense all year, it. man. They almost uh, it was final, it was death death by a thousand paper cuts. That's what it was. And that's the worst way to die. Final, and maybe not the worst, but the final terrible. 46, 46, last 46 plays of the game, they gained 50 yards compared to the 248 in the first half. It was, they just could not get anything uh, going. And like, and we've, we've talked all year. The conversation has all been about Clifford. Mm-hmm. And little did we know that we probably should have been talking about, hey, what if Clifford gets hurt? Who's yeah, we brought we we did bring it up when he went in and he he didn't yeah. look quite he didn't look that great and we were like all right like 
might need to work on him a little bit. But that's what, like, I can't put all the blame on this young kid. Part of it has to be on the coaching staff. Like, what what has this kid been doing in practice that he's so unprepared? He finishes with a 27.7 passer rating. When you spike the ball onto the ground, you get a 39.6. Like, what, what is the coaching staff doing with him every day? That he's not even just, that not unprepared. Even the, the false start penalties. They couldn't get a snap off. That, it was like, that it, too, it felt like, like they were bringing in someone from JV to run the game. It was, and it was adequate. It was the explanation after that. could have been his was, fault too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could have been his, like, the snap count got all messed up because he's in. Well, the explanation after the game that we got from Franklin was Roberson's not as loud as Cliff. And you saw <laughs> Roberson was doing the, the clap count, which in a hostile environment doesn't work as well. But no. to be in a position where you can't even, your backup quarterback can get the line and the offense in sync to snap the fucking ball, yeah. and you're losing 15 consecutive yards on one drive for false starts, it's, it's inexcusable. Yeah, I think that that's when I officially just like, black the game out of my mind i was like all these false starts i can't deal with it i'm forgetting everything beyond this point i can't do it anymore (laughs) um but we did get some news today from um james franklin press conference about defensive tackle pj mustafer if you want to fill us in on that yeah so knowing franklin doesn't disclose the really injuries at all so he didn't really get much into this one unless it he doesn't get into it unless it's going to be a, a severe absence or an extended absence so uh just basically disclosed to me that Mustafa will be out for the remainder of the season so which brings a little bit of light and uh before we get in that he didn't he didn't touch on Clifford he avoided it just like many probably would have soon so I was gonna uh, ask that next yeah there was some media availability at practice today and 14 wasn't out there it was Roberson and true freshman Christian value or Bayer uh, from the bullet school, in Maryland. So yeah, yeah. the way he left it is it's going to be a competitive bye week to see who gets those snaps. You, so it's going to be, it's going to be really up to you, to your sitch to put a game plan in place. Cause all signs are indicating all indications are that it's not going to be cliff against Illinois. And even with, even with Taquan, like there, he was missing wide open guys. Yeah, like yeah. you're just, he was having, he was scheming it up still. Yeah. So you can still do it even with, I mean, even with a bad quarterback. But all right. So if anyone has gone to Penn State, you know the Willard preacher, the guy who stands on the corner outside of the Willard building and just spouts nonsense. People film don't on have the, sex. Don't yeah. have sex. The Bible but says he, not to. He just he's ripping on every girl, every girl like wearing <laughs> like shorts above their kneecaps. Like you're all ripping on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna be the Willard preacher on Iowa right now because I am so pissed at Iowa right now. I I had so much respect for them. They had a great program. They did what they did. They were not sexy at all, just ran the ball, you know, very quiet, doing what they do. But all this team does, they're they're not going to win a national championship. They're not. They're just not. Spencer, Spencer Petrus is not going to be a national championship winning quarterback. Mark my fucking words on that. Never. They're not the, they're not the number two team, Luch. They're, they're not, not the number two team. But what pisses me off the most, like, because I had, I hated playing them, but I always respected them because they, 
did what they did. They did it. They did the right way. They held their heads high every time, acted like they were in the moment before. And now we have their fucking head coach defending the fans who are booing PJ Mustafer, who's now out for the season. And then Luketa, who's or uh, Ebikete, who went down for basically being gassed out. Why would we choose the two best players on our defense to be like, oh, yeah, you sit down, you gas out now? Like, that makes no fucking sense at all. And then he says, uh, the Hawkeyes fans who booed Penn State injuries on Saturday say, fans, they're not stupid. We know what's going on. We smell a rat. Get out of here. You are not this 2010, 2011 Chip Kelly high tempo offense that we have to worry about. We held you to 2.4 yards per carry. The most that would have happened if you got back to the line of scrimmage, you get two yards and it's second and eight. It doesn't matter. Like that is out of control that he's thinking that his like insane offense is making our guys gas. Get out of here. And the last thing I want to say is one of their head coaches, just classless move. I think it was when uh, AK went down. He literally looks at all the coaches and you can hear him out the words. Did you see, did you see him? And then fake and then fakes a falling down. Like you're just you're just disrespecting this the sport almost at that point. Like I get it. If I was on the other side, I would definitely be like, they're doing like they're faking injuries, blah, blah, blah. But being a coach and mocking a college football player who could seriously be injured, that's just disrespectful. And I'm sorry, I've lost all respect for Iowa. They have no national championship pro, uh, prospects whatsoever. And I'll go so far as to say, in fact, if they win the national championship, I will live two weeks this summer in Iowa. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because they have no hope. They have no hope. They do this every year. Do I get the picture city? Do I get the picture city? done. I'll live on. No, I'll live in near the campus for two weeks over the summer. Get an Airbnb. They're not winning the championship. They have no prospect. All they do is ruin other team seasons and then get beat in the Big Ten championship. Or they're going to get trounced by an SEC team in the college football playoff. Yeah, so. no, I think yeah, well said. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, Clifford's in that whole game. We win that game by three touchdowns. It's not even close. But yeah. You saw the coaches, you, you heard the comments. There's the viral clip going around of the fan in the stands who, you know, I, I saw one tweet looks like said that he looks like Max Bomb from Always Sunny, <laughs> but holding his shoulder, making fun of the kid on the ground, just absolute classless behavior. One and, more thing I have to say, I have to get this off my chest. Let's hear it. You're the number three team in the nation, hosting the number four team in the nation. You're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and you stormed the fucking field afterwards? You're the worst college in the world. Do you not know what an upset is? An upset stormed the field? Come on. Act like you've been there before, Iowa. Act like you've been there. That's why you're not going to win, and that's why you're not going to win. And they tried to save their face. They, they're they posting videos of the fans. So Ellis Brooks uh, stayed out on the field after the game, said he wanted to kind of soak it in and use it as motivation. And Good they have videos Good of – of fans walking by shaking his hand and they're trying to play that off as, Hey, Iowa, they do have class and that's what they're about and trying to ignore everything else that happened throughout the entire fucking course of the game. Uh, yes. So I do have, I know I didn't 
listen in on the on the Franklin presser today, but I got a tweet here. So apparently he went on about a five minute rant about everything that kind of transpired. So Franklin said, put yourselves in the shoes of a parent. Your son is down on the field with the injury and your stadium is booing him. I just told you PJ Mustafer is out for the year with an injury and we're booing. Is that good for college football? So fuck Iowa. Fuck the Hawkeyes. And I and I get I, it. I get I pray it. to God. I pray to God optics. we run. Yeah. I pray yeah. to God we run the table and we play them in fucking Indy. <laughs> oh my! Lucas Oil Stadium with them. I I pray for that. I'd buy tickets to that. I would I would take out a loan to yeah. go to that game and get good seats. So, uh, yeah. I was just about to say something and it slipped my mind. But yeah, so the whole thing is like, it's not like they're they're booing injury. They're not running this up-tempo offense where like everyone's gas and they're like limping getting all cramped and stuff it was just one big play and then an injury would happen the next play they were literally averaging 2.4 yards per carry it wasn't like they were going to do anything yeah and then you just add on taekwon Roberson, and it was yeah it's just the ultimate nightmare ultimate nightmare we've been living for the past three days yeah which is also why this podcast is late yeah. Again, not to add, you know, salt to injury, but also just seeing Bama go down. It's just one of those years where it's wide open, and it's. I mean, hey, this is the year we we seize the day, we take care of it, and granted, we're still in control of our own. It destiny. ain't over. It hey, ain't you over. Out, you went out. You can still get in. Uh, doesn't change the fact that our schedule's tough, but you tough. just gotta hope that. Just pray that this bye week was rightly timed to get everyone healthy, get them back on track. And it was it was clear as day, as much as uh, of a riff as Clifford's gotten, not just this year, but last year as well. I think everyone was praying that he was coming back in that second half. And I don't think you've seen yeah. that type of hopes and prayers and commentary for a guy like Sean Clifford. But yeah. everyone very quickly realized how vital he is to this team's success mm-hmm. when he went out of that ball game. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just that our, our that Roberson just was, was ill-prepared, not ready to go. But I think that the offense truly is different with Cliff in that game. And, and we were just, talking about him using his legs. Three rushes, 36 yards touchdown. Like, he, yeah. he was pl- – <sighs> And after that that rushing touchdown too, that was right when they were in the groove and we were moving the ball, we were shutting them down, and yeah. it just all went to shit. And it, it's it's just tough. It was tough to watch. It was tough. Yeah. So we're heading into heading into a bye week. We're gonna end the negative vibes right here, and back with some positive vibes. Penn State not gonna lose a game the rest of the season. We're gonna go through right now. Our mid-season awards. Um, we're going to give out MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year so far, most surprising player so far, and what we consider our coolest play of the year. So, Davey, you go first with your MVP so far this season. So my MVP, and I know I touched on it a little bit, but I got to give it to, to Cliff to Sean Clifford and I think in its truest form it's not just the guy with the best stats where you would look at a Dotson or someone like that Um, Mm -hmm. but I think you saw in its truest form that when 
he was out of the game, he's truly most valuable to this team as much as we may not, or may or may not want to admit it. Uh, he's vital to this team's success and everyone in Nittany nation right now is, is praying that he's good. And I'm hopeful that the fact that Franklin didn't mention like he did with Mustafa that he's out for an extended period of time. You're hoping that we squeak by Illinois and then he's good to go for Ohio state. So yeah, hopefully that no news is good news. But if you look at look at him over the course of the year, uh, about a sixty seven percent completion percentage, just under fifteen hundred yards, which was our episode one. We talked about yep. it. We were really worried about his accuracy, and it has improved yep. so much, yeah. and way above what I expected him to be. Way above expectations. Uh, just just south of fifteen hundred yards, eleven tutties, five picks, two of them coming last week. But overall, what was the the ball? Pixar, so. yeah. I, I want to do a new interception, like, like breakdown of what interception because he had like one Hail Mary interception. Like, if it's like if one it's a bobbled pick, one, if it's a punt pick, doesn't count. Yeah. Like, he had a couple. I mean, he's he's definitely thrown at least three all his fault, but there yeah. were two that were debatable, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm going to try to yeah. patent that stat of categorizing interceptions <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you and then carrying the ball 44 carries just south of 200 yards two tutties one of them you know that big mm-hmm. one against iowa so making timely decisions with his legs and again just hope just hope he's good hope it's not severe and that he's back because we need him this year yeah he's a he's a true leader of that offense i think all the guys on the line all the weapons they all respect him and they re- they really need him to succeed. Um, so my MVP is going to be guy you mentioned, Jahan Dotson. Um, so just his gift to the team. He's averaging averaging over thirty percent of Penn State's total receiving yards. He's fifty percent of their receiving touchdowns, and over thirty two percent of their total receptions this year. So this guy's one third of our passing offense essentially. In the nation, out of all the wide receivers in the nation, versus zone coverage, he's third in receptions, zero drops. Him and Jalen Cooper are the only receivers in the top five that have zero drops with the most receptions. He's fourth in the nation in yards, tied for second in the country in first downs, and he's tied for third in the country in touchdowns. So this guy is Fred Blintkoff Award finalist. I think he's honestly going to win it. I don't see – I'm trying to think. Maybe – we always say Olave, but I really don't see anyone more valuable to a team's offense than him. Yeah. So, I think he is a definite finalist for the uh, Blinch Golf and has helped this team in some very, very tough situations when they needed to get bailed, bailed out and his athleticism really bailed them out for sure. Yeah, and and for me too, I think that's one of the cool things about college football too is just seeing over the course of the four years or three years, however long they're there, how they progress. Yeah, looking at when he came in, came coming out of Nazareth, good decorated high school career, but was when he started, he was playing second fiddle, even third fiddle to to Hamler. You had Jawan Johnson on the outside, say, "Hey, is this guy gonna just be a prime, you know, good slot receiver for us to get?" some some key catches and then to see him where he's at now where he's 
being named as one of the best receivers in college football, just to see that progression just over yeah. such a short time span is just so cool to watch. And so I picked out zone coverage on purpose because he had the most targets in zone coverage, and that just shows his football IQ in his route running. Like for zone coverage, he knows where those gaps and those holes are going to be in the zone, and he's just making Clifford's job so much easier, which helps his accuracy, confidence, the whole training we've been talking about all season. Yeah. So we both went offense first. Who's your defensive player of the year? So for me, I'm going to give the nod to Quanty B, to Quan Brisker. Yeah. Love him. Senior safety, Chico transfer from Lackawanna, really come into his own. Was that, again, another highly decorated uh, safety at the beginning of the year, receiving preseason All American awards, and he's lived up to the hype and every bit of it, and then some. Uh, 25 tackles on the year, two picks, three pass deflections, some timely interceptions, some timely pass breakups. And that Auburn game, that key fourth and goal stop mm-hmm. where it should have been an offensive PI, but just lockdown coverage, man. He's, yeah. He's hey. been all over the place. He's been a huge, a key cog to that defense. He's been a leader and just all around improving his draft stock he's he may not be a first round pick but he could be a second third maybe even a, a day two guy but he's a one steal. of those guys he's gonna be in the nfl yeah. for eight to ten years making an impact on the defense he's he's that good because every play he makes it's like it's a huge play you know what i mean it's like yeah. a third and nine and he's the one coming off his his defense his uh receiver and making the play you know what i mean like he's reading that the offense very well so yeah that's a that's a phenomenal play you you never catch him out of position yeah Uh yeah you do with as good as the secondary is you see other guys you see castro fields get beat a little bit but brisker just seems to always be in the right whether it's stopping the run or or in the pass game he's just always right where he needs to be his knowledge of route concepts is just phenomenal i wonder if he played wide receiver in high school because he just knows like route concepts and where to break yeah. and when the receivers are going to come and it's just it's awesome to watch yeah great instincts um i was going to go secondary again but i'm going to go with since you picked my most impactful player i want to pick yours i'm going to go with ak oh um i've mentioned his ranks in the big 10 he's top five and everything besides sacks which he should have so many more mm-hmm. but here are his rankings in the entire fbs so this kid come from temple coming into the big 10 facing tougher competition in the big 10 he's tied for sixth in the nation with 25 total pressures fourth in the nation in qb hits with nine i think that's actually 12 yeah 12 12 qb hits Top 15 in the country with a 25% win rate. So that means he's winning one-fourth of every pass rush that he attempts. And he's a top 20 PFF pass rush grade with an 89.1. So literally a top 10 edge rusher in the nation, transferring to Penn State, proving that he can play with the big dogs and just absolutely dominating. And two blocked field goals. Two blocked field goals. I always forget those. (laughs) The third phase. Two blocked field goals as well. Yeah. Which delightful, are delightful surprise, Mr. Which Rankin. are huge, which are huge game-changing plays, too. So yeah, I mean, I like all the respect in the world to this kid. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's grinded his ass off to get to where he is right now, transferring from Temple and really working hard to be like, hey, I belong here. 
And I think his draft stock's only going to rise because of that. Just proving that he can get better and better facing tougher and tougher competition. Yeah, especially in a position group where at the beginning of the season, a lot of questions surrounding the depth there, where yeah. we've been pretty solid in years past. Like we mentioned, you know, again, in episode one, uh, losing Chaka Tony and Adafe uh, Owe, who's crushing it in Baltimore. Dude's a yeah. fucking monster. But beginning of the season, he wasn't even slated to be first on the depth chart. Uh, you know, Adisa Isaac was going to be in that, that top edge rusher and a lot of high hopes for him. He goes down with the torn Achilles and it's, Hey, AK, you ready to step up? Yeah. And right out the gate, he, he fucking did. So it's it's been cool to watch. And again, just seeing him progress from that two different showing that he can do it in first the group of five conference and now power five conference. And be yeah. able to still get after the quarterback. It's, it's yeah. It's been- I think that's a huge for me, that's a huge plus for in terms of like projecting to the NFL, like how you can scale your skill level up to the competition mm-hmm. that you're facing every time. Yeah. So I think he's yeah. I think he could be a day two pick for sure, mm-hmm. possibly on the Eagles. Oh, I love that. Um, get out what, of here, so, Barnett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. So this kind of ties in. Um, he was kind of my most surprising player, but I do have another one. I want to hear yours first. Um, are you offense defense for most surprising? Defense, man. Um, All right, we're sticking so with defense. Opposite. Opposite of my guy Quanny B, I'm going with Yair Brown or Ooh, Tiggs, yeah. mm-hmm. Tiggs, as they call him around around campus. Yeah, I love that. Another another Lackawanna college grad transfer. Uh, he's one of those guys where at that position there was a lot of questions coming this season. They didn't know who was going to be pegged there. It was between him. You had Keaton Ellis there. Shout out our boy Dez, uh, Tyler Ferguson. Uh, so a lot of competition there, but he, he overtook that spot. He's got 19 tackles on the year, three picks, three pass deflections. And he's one of those guys where they may entertain with the COVID role where he could come back next year and he could fill that void left by Brisker. Yeah. So we mentioned before a lot of decisions to be made at the end of this year. I know looking ahead here, but with that extra year eligibility, it's gotta be a two-way street where a, they want to come back and, B Penn State wants to make the room for him and bring him back. Yeah, he could yeah. be a candidate there where he could come back for a second year full time starter and continue to up his draft stock. But for me, uh, he, he's been a huge surprise and and a delightful surprise to holding down the the other side of the the field back there with Brisker. Is he is he tied for first in interceptions or tied with Brisker for three? I think he may have the lead. I think Brisker's got Brisker's got two. And so he's Brown's got three. Got three so he's, he's in the lead. Three. Yeah. 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 He's been balling out this year, which I, yeah, again, most surprising for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stay in the secondary. I'm going to go Joey Porter Jr. Okay. By, hey, guy, my, yeah. He's at, like surprised me by far the most this year. I did not expect him to be this. I don't want to say a leap, but this like steady throughout the entire season. I thought he was going to have some ups and downs, but he's been playing phenomenal. He's yeah. been the most targeted uh, defensive back on the team, 30 targets this year, allowed 19 receptions, but only 181 yards. So that's 9.5 yards per reception, which is the second least amount among all Penn State D-backs behind Jaquan Brisker. Um, has not allowed a touchdown against him 
all season. Has his first collegiate interception, which was that incredible uh, diving attempt on the sideline. Loved just that. Just snuck in bounds. Just snuck in bounds on that one. Yeah, that was such a sick interception. Two pass breakups. And the cherry on top, he's tied for fourth in solo tackles on a PFF with Mustafer at 22. And he's also tied for six with Curtis Jacobs in defensive stops at 10. So not only can he cover... He can tackle as well. Um, young guy. I think sky's the limit for this kid. I think he could be a really, really good quarterback coming into his junior year next year. Maybe be a day one pick, potentially. Yeah. But that's all projection. But right now, he's having a phenomenal season. And keep it up, Joyport Jr., for sure. And hopefully setting the tone to kind of put us with the same ranks of an LSU for cornerback you. I know we got, we're tagged already with LBU, but yeah, we got him coming in pretty cool scene uh, with all the mourning and sadness that, you know, with the loss, but pregame you had his dad, former NFL linebacker, Joey Porter in the stands and LeVar Arrington was there. So they had some yeah. of them getting together next year coming in. We got Donald driver's son, coming in so hopefully we keep gathering all these nfl oh, legends. i love donald driver i love that dude uh, donald driver jr we'll have him pretty soon but yeah that, i think i think that's be my Jack, favorite player on penn state yeah <laughs> before he even gets there. <laughs> I, I know. uh he'll he'll be a he'll be a starter on sundays somewhere at some point he's he's that good so it's it's just cool to watch and excited to see him progress not only the rest of this year but also next year yeah i totally agree um and then our final our final award for the midseason awards coolest play of the year what you got i'll go back to week one i'm going with the brisker pick against wisconsin oh uh, yeah part mm-hmm. of this for me is i just as much as it pained me to hear him on saturday i do love gus johnson and i just love the calls that he makes yeah unless it's for iowa on that last touchdown, which I muted as soon as I heard him start saying, but uh, that week one pick was pretty cool. That backs against the wall, fourth and goal in the red zone. And just seeing that defense come up with the big stop that they hadn't gotten in previous years. Uh, but for Brisker, a guy like Brisker to get that pick and just a combination of, of the play and the call from Gus Johnson for me. And the moment. Gave me chills. Yeah. And the moment like, just gave me chills. Yeah. I, I narrowed these down to the, like, the few plays that I remember jumping off of the couch being like, holy, holy shit, like, let's go. And I think in terms of coolest, it, it has to be that Luketa one-hander pick six again when we played Ball State. When I saw that, like, live, I was like, what did I just witness? Jesse Luketa, <laughs> like, his versatility just still blows my mind week to week. Um, and, yeah, I think that was one of the cooler plays in – Penn, maybe Penn, nah, not Penn State history, but in the past couple of years, yeah, one-hander from a D end, bringing it back, love it, yeah, love to yeah, see the big men score. Absolutely. All right, so obviously Penn State has a bye week this week, so we can recover uh, from our emotional and physical wounds. But Dave and I will battle once again, week seven. Big 10 betting bonanza right up next week seven of the big 10 betting bonanza. And I continue to stay in the garbage can as I went one and two last week. Absolutely awful. 
And I also forgot to mention last week that I canceled out. If you get one wrong, it's negative one. It's not just zero. Otherwise, it would be a bloodbath. <laughs> so last week, Dave, two and one. He hit the over on the uh, Ohio State-Maryland game, which Ohio State could have – they were three points away from hitting the over themselves. <laughs> uh, Nebraska plus three and a half, which you squeaked out Oof. by the hook. And then your last bet we'll talk about with my three. Um, I had Ohio State minus 11 and a half, first half, bing. And then after that, it's just toilet, 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 toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Under 40 and a half in the Iowa-Penn State game, missed. And then I went big balls to the walls, took the Illinois money line, which Dave took Illinois plus 10 and a half, and they ended up losing 24 nothing to Wisconsin. So that's our betting season's going. How's yours not going? Even a, not even a <laughs> check swing on that. That's just a straight out whiff. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that was three straight pitches right down the middle where I tried to launch it <laughs> over the stadium and just struck out. Yeah, three strikes out of there. So the total right now with the new standing, I'm still getting my buttocks knocked in. Dave's plus 10. I'm plus four. So I'm sticking with my strategies of a couple singles, a couple doubles, and then bomb shots. I'm still going for bomb shots. I'm not stopping. (laughs) You're not living if you're not going for bomb shots. No, sir. So you can go first. Since you're killing me, and we have very limited games this week, by very the way. limited, very limited slate. Tough There's to pick one, from. two, three, four, five games picked up, pick from. So we're going to overlap on some, I imagine, but I hope we don't overlap on my home run. I'm going back to the well with Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, you beat Illinois 24 zip, but. You're not getting by Army by two scores. I'm taking the the black the Army Black Knights plus fourteen. No, baby, everyone that triple option. Nothing they can triple stop option, it. Baby, eat up the clock, keep it close. Lose yeah, it was, by 10. I'm good with it. I mean, was kind of, they they were the ones who beat Illinois. What was it? Twenty four nothing. Twenty four zip. Yeah. Like yeah, they're not blowing teams out by. I would not. Yeah, come on. That's a good bet. I had that same game. I'm going to take the uh, over 39 just because I just think that's a solo. Wisconsin's actually going to score. And I think Armory's actually going to score. So I think it's going to go over 40 for sure. Maybe like a 14 28 type game. But that can be there. Yeah, before it's due. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe 29 15. Give me that. Yeah, I got to hit that plus 14. There we go. We'll we'll go 30, 30 to 50, 30, 14. How about that? Maybe Uh, a little bit. All That I wouldn't hit, actually. Or not, I would hit, yeah. Um, So we're still, we're both on that game. What's your second? So I'm going to stick with, and I stick stick with, but go again with Sparty. I'm going to take Sparty minus four and a half at the Hoosiers. Noon kickoff, I think Mel Tucker's just got that team rolling. I think that should be another easy win. Line's a little sketchy, but 
I'm still sticking with fuck sketchy lines. I'm no more sketch lines. I won't stand. I'm more. with you. Sparty minus four and a half. Woo! Simply because Jack Tuttle. Jack Tuttle. I I can't respect that guy after <laughs> AK literally just <laughs> body slammed him into the dirt. Uh, one of the funniest sacks I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, I'm with you. Sparty <laughs> minus four and a half. Let's ride. No more sketch spreads. No more. No more sketch spreads. I Done with it. it. Done with it. Um, so you got two one. You got two singles on the board. What's so your last? I don't one? know if you. I don't know if you classified as a home run. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just gut feeling. So mm-hmm. I got Nebraska, Minnesota over forty four and a half. Forty four and a half. Yeah. Where are you seeing that? DraftKings. Uh, I thought I saw on DraftKings. Yeah, maybe maybe it went down. I just saw forty eight. We'll give you. Wait, are you saying over? I'm saying over. Okay, we'll give you over forty four and a half. Yeah. There you said first. Yeah, yeah, forty four and a half. All right. Even though you're beating me, I'll still give you Ben for the batter. Over 44 and a half, Nebraska, Minnesota. Has Minnesota been – I feel like they haven't been scoring that much. They haven't. That's that's one of those, hey, I'm taking a shot in the dark. Follow me. Yeah, I'm not really scoring too much. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, again, I need a – I got a little bit of a buffer. I need – yeah, you do. Bigger buffer than me. So, I need another home run pick. And I think everyone knows my feelings about the Iowa Hawkeyes by now. I think they're going to have a letdown game. Purdue's going to fucking beat them at home. They're plus 11 and a half going into Iowa. I'm taking the goddamn money line. Boilermakers crushing Boiler the Hawkeyes. Boiler up. I'm betting against number two Iowa until they lose. Because they will. They will. They will not win out and go to the college football playoff. I guarantee. Love it. Love it. Every time I'm betting a plus whatever money line against Iowa rest of the season. Spoiler Boiler up, baby. Boiler up. All right. So that is the surprisingly electric uh, bi-week episode. We got Illinois next week, right? Illinois. Fighting Illini. Noon kickoff. So we'll be back with our regular uh, Wednesday podcast. Thank you all again for watching. Again, appreciate it so much. And uh, make sure to follow and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Go Lions, baby. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and tuning in to Whiteout Weekly. We will be back every week with more Penn State news and information. And once again, I cannot thank you enough for spending your time with us. Luigi, signing out. See you guys.